سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. Right, to sum up tonight's lesson, inshallah. Tonight was basically a comparison between Jannah and Jahannam. So the number of things of Jahannam was mentioned. For example, the doors of Jahannam are seven, or the gates, and the gates to Jannah are eight. Why should the one be eight and the other one be seven? It is a reminder that the mercy of Allah far exceeds His anger. It is a reminder that the mercy of Allah far exceeds His anger. It is a reminder that the scales are tipped into your favor. You understand? If you are just a basic human being, a normal human being, you should be going to paradise. You understand? So everybody is going to be going to paradise, except those who are going to be making effort to go to Jahannam. And Allah knows best. And I've given you one major example of this in the past. If you intend to commit a sin, and then you don't do it, you get one reward. If you intend to commit a sin and you do it, one sin is written against you. So a sin is only written against you when you intend a sin and you do it. In fact, if you intend a sin and you don't do it, you get one reward. And if you intend a good deed and you don't do it, you get one reward. And if you intend a good deed and you do it, you get ten rewards. So honestly, isn't the scale tipped in your favor? For you to go to Jahannam, you have to commit seven sins. Sorry, you have to commit eleven sins for every good deed. For you to go to Jahannam. Because if you commit ten sins for every good deed, then the one good deed is the equivalent of those ten sins. So you will be a 50-50 person. And what does the Quran tell us? The Quran calls the 50-50 people, they call them Ashabul Araf, the people of the heights. You understand? The people that will be made to put will be put on this elevated position. Where they will look down upon the people of Jahannam and they will look down on the people of Jannah. And then they will refuse to look at the people of Jahannam. They will only keep the gaze on the people of Jannah. But then eventually Allah will allow them to be of the people of Jannah. So even if you committed 10 sins for every good deed, you still go to Jannah. It is only people who are committing 11 sins to every good deed. That's Haravek. Oh. That's Haravek. That, that person was determined. You understand? To go to Jahannam. So inshallah, if you're just the ordinary Muslim, inshallah, you're going to be going to, to Jannah. The scales are tipped in your favor. Then we get discussions as to what Jannah and Jahannam are all about. Like there's a discussion with regards to the depth of Jannah, and the, sorry, the depth of Jahannam and the height of Jannah. The term for heights is daraja, level. Right? That's a level that goes up. And the level that goes down, in Arabic it is called Daraka. Daraka. There's a lot of terms that, that, that have opposites. Like if you're pious, you're salih. And if you're impious, you're called talih. Salih, talih. Ni'ma, niqma. Favor of Allah, ni'ma. Curse, niqma. Pious, salih. Sanat, talih. Up, daraja. Down, daraka. You understand? And Allah knows. There's lots of things that, that work in opposites. You're going to go to Jannah, Sa'id. You're going to go to Jahannam, Shaqi. Okay, that one doesn't rhyme. But it's the idea. You understand? Uh, if you know Arabic, it actually falls on the same scale, Sa'il. Sa'id, Shaqi. You understand? It actually falls on the same scale. So there is actually a rhyme in there. It's just uh, not apparent. Either way, we are told that the Prophet sat with the Sahaba. May Allah be pleased with them one day. And then they heard something falling. Boom. 
Ya, ada a sound of something collapsing or something falling, striking the earth. And then the Prophet told them, 70 years ago, a rock was dropped in Jahannam. And it just hit the bottom. 70 years ago, a rock was dropped in Jahannam and it just hit the bottom. So what's the distance of the pit of Yal? You understand? Now I can try and calculate this actually. Eh? I can try and calculate this. Uh, what is the faster that you can fall? In English they call it terminal velocity. Now there's lots of factors that must be considered. The weight of the object, the surface area of the object, the medium in which it falls, is it in air, is it in water? But the average human being, if you're falling, you're jumping out of an aeroplane, right? And you're falling, you normally fall 195 kilometers per hour. 195 kilometers per hour. That's normal terminal velocity for a human that's falling. If you maneuver your body, there has been people that have been able to achieve 400 kilometers per hour speeds. And the world record, actually, for a skydiver, you understand, is uh, almost 1,000 kilometers per hour. You understand? So even if I do it, just work on 195 kilometers per hour, and I, and I times all of that out by 70 years, then we're looking at a massive dis- distance. You understand? I don't think Allah and His Rasul's intention was for us to actually calculate it. You understand? It was just to indicate it's a massive place. You understand? It's a, it's, it's, it's a massive place. Recently, uh, a builder uh, in Strand, unfortunately, I was told, he called Malatwa Karan, who's the mufti of, 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 of MJC, but actually building a madrasa. So it was something like a, a 60,000 rand. And when I was told about it, I said, uh, apparently the brother doesn't know how cheap property is in Jahannam. Because with 60,000 rand, you can build a, a big place, eh? you can buy a big property in Jahannam with a 60,000 rand. You understand? The reality of the year after. You understand? We don't really have it in our hearts. Had we had the reality of the year after in our hearts, how we dealt with other people, we would be taking it seriously. Everybody that we interact with, it is an opportunity to either earn our Jannah, or it is an opportunity to deserve to go to Jannah as well. We're constantly building. Constantly you are sending forth to the year after. Either you are sending forth to your Jannah and improving it, we are sending forth to your jannam and improving it. As I said in the previous setting, at this moment in time, there's a place in jannam that is your name. And at this moment in time, there's a place in Jannah that is your name. I said there's a number of things that Allah will show us on the day of Qiyamah so that we can see the reality of the matter. And one of the things is, if you're destined to go to Jannah, you'll be shown your place in jannam. And just knowing that you're not going to go there, there's going to be enough happiness. But beyond that, inshallah, you will get Jannah. As for the unfortunate individual that is destined to go to Jahannam, that person will be shown their place in Jannah. The place that they could have gone to. And just knowing that they're not going and going to go there, that's going to be a sufficient torment. There's going to be a sufficient disappointment. But that person will still go to Jahannam also after that. There's a number of other things that is mentioned in the text. The other one was of the person that lived the entire life of good and the entire life of bad. Then one is dubbed in Jannah, one is dubbed in Jahannam, and then the one totally forgets all the goodness. You understand? And the other one totally forgets all the, the badness. Another thing that is mentioned in the text is that on this day Jahannam is, is drawn near. And I, I mentioned last week that Jahannam will actually call out to the people in anger and in rage. You understand? And at the end, when Allah has given it 
uh, all the people that are destined to go to Jahannam, it will actually call out, Halmim Mazid, is there more? It will desire to have more. So Jahannam, uh, it desires to cause suffering. So we will be standing on this mighty plane all naked, in the presence of Allah, waiting for Hisab to be taken. And we're going to be seeing Jan- Jannah, and we're going to be seeing Jahannam. So where are we going to go? We'll see it. Like just imagine somebody's asking you questions, right? And then there's a guy standing over there with an X. If you don't get all the questions right, whoop, off with his head. Just imagine. What, what state does that put you in? To be honest with you, even if I knew the questions, just seeing that guy, I'll forget some. I mean, nerves slammer. You understand? Just seeing that, that guy, I'll, I'll forget some of the, the, the questions. You understand? And uh, another thing that is mentioned in the text is that uh, on this day, the angel of death will be brought. But he will be brought in the form of a white ram. And then he will be slaughtered. He will die. So the last person to die will be death. And what will be the aim in this? The aim in this will be for the people of Jannah to know that there is no threat to your delight. Your delight is forever. Without end. Not even death can bring, can, can bring an end to your delight. And so that the people of Jahannam can know that not even death will save you. Your torment is forever. Death will not provide any solution. This is why Jannah is the ultimate life. Allah calls it that in the Quran. Real hayawan. As for Jahannam, it is a state below, life, uh, below death. Death is even better than it. And you will hear the Christians sometimes saying, that Jesus called them to life, eternal life. I've mentioned in the previous setting that in my understanding, what was meant by Nabi Isa's words is that he's calling them to, to paradise. You understand? And the death that he spoke about is the condition worse than death that is known as Jahannam. So in this, the seriousness of the matter will be exposed so that the people of Jannah can rejoice even more. No end to our delight. And so that the people of Jahannam can despair even more. Jahannam and Jannah, it isn't just physical delight. It is also spiritual and psychological delight. And suffering as well. You understand? So in Jahannam, people's bodies, not only their bodies will, will, will suffer pain, also their mind will be tormented. You understand? You can clearly see the aim here is to cause despair. You understand? And uh, Allah knows best. But either way to continue... We are being told about the depth of, of, of Jahannam and the height of Jannah. We are told that if a stone drops for 70 years, it takes 70 years for it to hit the bottom. What about Jannah? The Prophet of Allah tells us that the levels of Jannah are 100. They are 100 darajat. What is the difference between one darajah and the next? The difference between the heavens and the earth. And what we mean thereby is the difference between earth and the seventh heaven. Or you'll find the tree known as the Sidratul Muntaha, the low tree. That night when uh, Jibreel took the Prophet of Allah on Mi'araj, when he came to the low tree, then uh, he told the Prophet of Allah that this is the furthest anyone has ever gone. And only you are allowed to cross beyond it. You understand? So the distance between one Daraja and the next will be that. One Sahabi commented about that. He said, as you stand at night and you see the distant star, one day in Jannah, that will be the difference between one Jannati and the next. One Jannati will be standing here, and then the next Jannati's place will be that distant star that you see flickering 
uh, over there. You understand? So what will be the closest thing for us to understand in our time? Technically, your Jannah will be your own planet. Can you imagine such a thing? You understand? I can't even imagine owning an area like Newfields. I can't even imagine being the owner of the whole of Newfields. You understand? So most of us die. You understand? But to be the owner of an entire planet and design just to give me pleasure. Allahu Akbar. You understand? Uh, we cannot imagine what lies ahead. You understand? All we can do is we can place our trust in Allah. That our every desire will be fulfilled and times ten. Times ten. What are we told? We are told the last person uh, that will go to Jannah will have the every desire fulfilled. And then they will be told after that that uh, we give you even times ten. Do you wish to be like one of the kings on earth? So first that will be given. And five times it will be given and given and given. And then after that, when the person has now totally run out of ideas, Allah will say to that person, I give you all of that times ten. This is the last person to go to Jannah. If you die as a believer, I am sure that you will not be the last person. Because the last person to go to Jannah is the most sinful Muslim that ever walked the earth. You understand? So that the most sinful person will get that. It's a lengthy story that comes in hadith. First, this person will be in Jannah for Allah knows how long. Calling out, Oh Allah, if you can just allow me to exit Jannah. And then eventually Allah will accept. And that person will be exited. Then in the distance, he will see the lights of Jannah. And the fragrance will come in his direction. And he will ask, Oh Allah, can you just allow me to stand by the gate? And we don't know how long he will be asking. But eventually Allah will accept. Then he will be put by the gate. And when he's put by the gate, he will say, Oh Allah, if you can just allow me to be on the other side. You understand? And then he will continue asking for I don't know how long until eventually he will be allowed to enter. The moment he enters, that is the moment they give him his every heart's desire in times 10. And I've mentioned this before. Why? Even though he's the last one in. You understand? Even though he just asked to enter. Because no one that enters that place will be disappointed. Everybody that enters that place will get the every heart's desire in times 10. And just ponder for a moment this times 10 concept. Didn't we hear that before? Didn't we start out with a discussion? You do one good deed, you get rewarded times 10. You understand? So this idea is running. You understand? In different texts, this idea is running. The times 10 uh, concept. So what is the final Jannah? What is the ultimate Jannah? The Jannah that is right at the top. That Jannah, the rivers of paradise start from there. And then it flows from that level to level 9, to level 8, to level 7, to level 6, right down until the lowest level. What is the name of the Jannah? Firdaus. Firdaus. That's why there's a name in Cape Town that they like. Firdaus. Firdaus is the, is the highest Jannah. Firdaus al-A'la. You understand? And Allah knows this. That is the level for the Prophet of Allah. You understand? And for, for the saints and uh, the other prophets uh, and so forth. And as for us, what is the promise that Allah tells us? You will be with those you loved on the day of judgment. When I said it was said to a particular individual that came to the Prophet, and uh, it was clear the person had actually embraced Islam already, but he was fearful of persecution. So he wasn't prepared to say it. So he asked the Prophet, what do you think of a man that loves the people, but he hasn't joined them yet? What do you think of a man that loves the people, but he hasn't joined them yet? So meaning I'm already Muslim, and I love you Muslims. 
But I'm fearful that if I join you, then they might hurt me. You understand? So I can't say. And the Prophet replies, you will be with those you love on the day of judgment. So that statement was for him. But the way ulama look at text is that they say that if a text is arm general, then we will not delimit the generality of that text just because it was mentioned in relation to a particular person. We will apply it to everyone. Everyone, you will be with those you loved on the day of Qiyamah. Like we are told, for example, that the fuel of Yalfaya will be men and stones. The fuel of Yalfaya will be men and stones. What are the stones again? These are the idols which people worshipped. So why will the idols be with people in Jahannam? So two reasons. One reason that we just said, you will be with those you love. You understand? So your idols will go to hell, and you will go to hell with them, because you love them. And then what's the other reason? Because while in hell, even after experiencing the whole of Qiyamah, some people will persist on the kufr. So they will want to call out, Lat, yaab me. Uza, yaab me. Manat, yaab me. But when they look, they'll see, oh, yes, Lat burning with me. Yes, Uza burning with me. Yes, Manat burning with me. So what is that? To increase despair. Not even the hope that you can ever exit. You understand? Because how could this one help you when this one is in the fire with you? Can't even help himself. And uh, Allah knows best. So in our discussions, uh, in the text, uh, there's lots of comparisons. Like what will the clothing of the people of Jannah be like? And what will the clothing of the people of Jannah be like? So we are told in Hadith that the people of Jannah will wear ta. Ta. And then elsewhere we are told that they will wear clothing made of fire. It's actually the same discussion. You understand? Back in the day, especially in, in ancient times, ta was the most common way to pass fire. Like if you had a castle and people were trying to, to force their way in, you know, it would wah, wah, against your gate. Then what do you do? You throw down the head. You understand? And then you throw a match or a brand. You understand? And then it, it, it lets them up. No brantala. So in Jahannam, this will be the clothing of people. Fire upon fire. Level upon level. What will the clothing be in Jannah? The clothing in Jannah is that people will wear the finest of silk. You understand? Interlaced with a coarse but high quality silk. You understand? And uh, Allah knows best. Gold, silver, every uh, precious gem that you can imagine. You understand? People will wear. Yeah, I just need to give out a warning eh, uh, that you might not have heard before. The law of, Jahan, of Jannah is that uh, certain things, if you enjoyed it in the dunya, you are not allowed to enjoy it in Jannah. Right? So one of it is Khamr. If you enjoyed khamr in the dunya, wine in the dunya, and you continued on that condition until you died without making tawbah, you will not be allowed to enjoy the wine of paradise. The wine of paradise is the clearest of wine. It is such a wine that will not cause intoxication. It is such a wine that will not cause a loss of power and potency. It is such a wine that when you wake up the next morning, you will not have a headache, known as a hangover. So all the negatives of the wine of the earth, the wine of the year after, it will not have it. It will just have the benefits. And Allah knows best. But what's the condition? The condition is that you must not have drunk khamar in the dunya. If you did, you must make tawbah. Same thing with silk. So we are told that the people of Jannah will be wearing silk. 
So the condition of that is, not for ladies, for men, you mustn't be wearing silk in the dunya. Silk is haram on the males of our ummah. The Prophet of Allah said, permissible for the ladies, haram for the men. So if a man wears silk in the dunya, he will not be allowed to wear silk in, in Jannah. You understand? This is one of the changes. When I was young, no man ever wore pink. You understand? And no man ever wore silk. You understand? But the age has changed. Back in the days you wore pink, they would look upon you as a mufi. You understand? But uh, things have changed. So that's, uh, that's the second one. And uh, what that also is music. You understand? You're supposed to turn away from music. And if you die in a condition where you continued on music and the October was made, you will not be allowed to enjoy the music of uh, the year after. And uh, Allah knows best. Yes, Islam allows the duf. You understand? Which is the drum. Especially when there's a wedding. And uh, Allah knows best. But the rest of music, what, what goodness comes from it? Which musician can you speak of in today's time that produces good music? Huh? Mention in. And uh, Allah knows best. It's all sexual or satanic or inviting towards sin. You understand? And just craziness. Ah, 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 ah. On the stage. You understand? You cannot imagine it. Like I, I, I've asked some of our Christian brothers and sisters, that why do you do this in church? You understand? Dance and go on like that in church. So they say to attract the people. So I said, i got two questions for you. If I were to take you the way you are now and transport you back into time, 500 years back in time, and I put you in a church 500 years ago, what would the people of 500 years ago think of you? That's my first question. My second question is, you're playing all of this music to get people into the church today. So 500 years from now, you will need to be naked and to commit zina to get people to come to church. Will you do that also? And so then I ask you, the Muslim, the question, that if I take you back 500 years to a masjid 500 years ago, and you perform salah with him, will you be out or will you fit in nicely? In fact, I can take you anywhere in the world, and you can walk into any masjid and make salah with people, and you'll fit in nicely. You understand? Haq does not change, man. Haq stays the same. You understand? When a people's deen are constantly changing, then that's a sign they're making it up as they go along. You understand? And Allah knows best. Obviously there are exceptions, but that is the general law. So that is with regards to clothing. What are we told with regards to food? We are told that the people of Jahannam will eat from the zakum tree. The zakum tree. Firstly, we are told that the smell of the zakum is pungent. It is very odorous. You understand? It has a foul smell. In English, they call it pong. I like this word, by the way. Pong, ping, pang. Pong is a sharp, acidic-like smell. And a ping is a sharp sound. And a pang is a sharp pain. You understand? So I like these three. Pong, ping, pang. You understand? Uh, easy to remember if you didn't know. So it has to do with sharp things. Pang, sharp feeling of pain. Ping, a sharp sound. You understand, like when, when it's a drop of a needle or something like that. And a pong, a sharp sting smell. You understand? And uh, Allah knows best. So zakum, number one, is a pong. You understand? Then number two, uh, 
it, 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 its juice is extremely toxic. To such a degree, the hadith tells us that if one drop of the juice of the zakum uh, fruit were to drop onto earth, it would poison everything on earth. Everything would be rendered toxic. And with that, by the way, there's a, there's a statement regarding the ladies of Jannah, the Hurain. That if a, 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 if a teardrop of a Hurain were to fall onto earth, then everything on earth will be, will be rendered sweet. Everything on earth will be rendered sweet. You understand? So that gives you an idea of the potency of Jannah and Jannam. You see how salty this is? Imagine the Hurain, the Ian teardrop, tranchi, falaan. As bitter as the Anmark drinks. You understand? Ian droppelti, woom. You understand? Sweet and tasty. Allahu Akbar. The potency uh, of the year after. And then the zakum tree, its fruit is very thorny. So in Jahannam, people will be extremely angry and they won't want to eat it. But there's a point. You don't die, Mus. So the hunger just increases. But you don't die. You understand? So there's a point where they can't take the hunger any longer and they will grab the fruit to eat it. And as they eat it, the, the, the thorns will tear at their tongue. You understand? And it will tear at their throat. And some will enter into the stomach, you understand, and burn the stomach, and others will get stuck in the throat. So now, they're severely thirsty. Plus they have something that, that must be uh, swallowed. So you will reach for something to drink. What is the drink of the people of Jahannam? It is the bodily excrements of the rest of the people of Jahannam. Especially the pus of their wounds. You know what pus is? Have you ever seen pus in your entire life? Blood. You understand? That it has gone bad. You understand? It is, it is one of the stinkiest uh, smells that you can imagine. This will be the drink. And the drink will be extremely hot. You understand? As they drink it, their lips will burn away. It will disappear. The tongue will burn away, it will disappear. The throat will disappear. It will fall into the stomach and the stomach will disappear. But as all of this disappears, it will grow again. What are we told? We are told that the people of Jahannam will be large people. The, 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 the tooth, the Mawla tooth, one hadith says the canine tooth, will be the size of Mount Uhud. The distance between one shoulder and the next shoulder will be the distance of, of, of a fast rider. 700 years journey. You understand? And uh, the skin will also be thick. A few years journey, the skin will be thick. And why is the focus on the skin being thick? Of all the things, why the skin? So medically, we have discovered that the area that has the most pain senses is actually in your skin. You understand? And the, the ayat in the Quran clearly states, that when the skin is burnt away, it will be returned to them. You understand? Why will it be returned to them? To enable them to feel the pain again. You cannot imagine what Jahannam is. So this is why the Prophet Islam had the severe worry. You understand? First the Prophet Islam was told about Jannah and Jahannam, and on the night of Mi'raj, he saw it. And afterwards, when he was making Salah, sometimes when he recited verses of Jannah, he would see it. And in Salah, he would move forward. As if to grab a piece of the fruit. You understand? And sometimes he would recite and verses were of Jahannam and he would recoil. You understand? Because he would see it. You understand? So the Prophet saw. And that's why the Prophet would sometimes say, if you had seen what I had seen, you would never laugh. You would never laugh. 
or you'd laugh very little. And you would cry a lot. If you had seen what I had seen. The reality of the year after, we certainly don't know it. You understand? Sahaba radlanum like Handala, I mentioned this before. They felt that when they were in the presence of the Prophet of Allah, it was like they, they were in Jannah. And in Jannah they could see it. And the Iman went through the roof. But when they left and they spent time with their wives and their children, then some of that went away. And they felt that it was Nifaq. But the Prophet told them, no, it's not Nifaq. I need to remain on that state that you are on while you are with me. Angels would descend from the heavens and take your hands while you are walking in the streets. In fact, they would come to you while you are in your beds and take your hands. That level of piety is not for a normal person. But rather, just understand, sa'a was sa'a. There's a time to make dunya effort and there's a time to make akhirah effort. I mentioned this before. How many hours do you have in a week? 168 hours. How many hours in a week? 168 hours. How many of us here in Cape Town give one hour a week to increase their knowledge of deen? Out of 168 hours, how many of us? You understand? If you are the one that gives an hour or more, look in the rest of your family. Look amongst your brothers and your sisters. Look among, amongst your cousins. How many? If there wasn't such a thing as Juma, some people would never see the masjid. If there wasn't such a thing as Juma and big nights, you understand? Some people would never see the masjid. The masjid, if it is five, days, five times a day salah, is, is practically empty. Most masjid. Masjid are the size they are for Juma. And for big nights. You understand? When uh, masajid five times a day are the way it looks on Juma night, on a big day and night, that is when the reality of Jan, Jannah and Jannah had entered our hearts. You understand? But before that, Allahu Akbar, we are deluded. So that's the one side of the fence. What is the other side of the fence? On the side of Jannah? Whatever fruit your heart desires, you understand? It will be provided. And what will it be like? It will look like the fruit of, of, of the earth sometimes. But when you bite into it, it will be a totally new taste explosion that you've never experienced in your entire life. Right? And then you will try to taste it again. But the next taste will be another taste that you've never tasted before. You understand? It will just continue like that. What is the quality of insan, of man? The quality of man is he gets used to things. And the moment you get used to a thing, you don't like it anymore. That's why the Arabs say, Kullu jadid All new things are tasty. But all new things become old. Just see when you buy a car. The first day you buy the car, it feels so nice. The new leathery feeling and everything. And by the next day, you notice there's a new model out. You understand? In the marriage class, I'm saying the same thing. If you think to keep your husband or wife lies in your beauty and handsomeness, you must understand you're going to get older, if you think the thinness or the voluptuousness is going to keep your husband and wife, you must understand you're going to get fat, eh? You understand? Or you're going to opposite direction and become very thin. Whatever it is that you think is going to be the thing that's going to keep your husband and wife, it's not it. You understand? At the end of the day, it's how you interact with one another. You understand? There's a way to interact with your husband and there's a way to interact with your wife. Then you become super special. There's no one on earth like you. For, for him. For her. It's not the beauty, man. You understand? Like, if you work on beauty, however beautiful you are, there's always a new model. 
What, 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 what model year, model are you now? Even if you're 1986 or 1994, that's much out in 1997 and then 2000. And I went to 2019 now. There's always new models coming out. And the same is like a boxer. Muhammad Ali, Allahu Akbar. That was probably the greatest boxer that ever lived. You understand? They will excel. You understand? They will surpass as you, as you grow older. And you start to go down. But where does it lie? It lies in the relationship. Man. You understand? And in Islam, there's only two relationships. The relationship with the Creator and the relationship with creation. In fact, you might as well call the second relationship the first relationship also. Because how you treat creation, you understand, is how Allah believes that He is being treated. So if you treat creation right, you understand, then Allah will reward you for that. And if you treat creation wrong, then Allah will punish you for that. So in this, on a certain level, everything you do and everything you meet is Allah. You understand? I don't mean like uh, everything is technically Allah. But I mean everything that is coming your way is you interacting with your Allah. Because the dunya is one examination hall. You understand? And everything that is happening is part of the, the test. So that is with regards to the fruit. Eh? With regard to what we eat, we are told mostly about birds. You understand? The most delicate and rare of birds. So I'll be lounging, liquor, and birds will fly past. And I, I, I will lust for a bird. You understand? And then the bird, it will, it will come down, and then suddenly it will be in its bride or cooked form. And then I will eat. Right? And I will throw the bones. And when I finish eating and I throw the last bone, the bones will come together. And suddenly the meat will come on it again and the feathers will come and the bird will alight and fly away. You understand? The same thing when I desire to eat fruit. I will just do this. And then the branch will reach out to me and it will put the fruit in my hand. You understand? Can you imagine a life like that? Allahu Akbar. Now obviously I'm doing all of this eating. So does it develop into puppies? And what about number two and uh, number one? You understand that stuff? Do we toilet? So what does the Prophet of Allah tell us? The Prophet of Allah tell us, none of these things the people of Jannah will experience. None of these things. Not even mucus in your nose you will have. You understand? You will be in the, in the purest of conditions. So some Sahaba asked the Prophet of Allah, Oh Prophet of Allah, so what will happen to the food? If you don't pee and you don't do number two, so where will the food go? So the Prophet says, it will just be a humble burp. As if we are ready on it. Allahu Akbar. So if you like eating, Allahu Akbar. Sanna is the place for you, my friend. Sanna is the place for you. And I said, Janna is, is, is physical and it is spiritual and emotional. So there's hadith that say that when you enter Janna, then your bride will wait for you. You understand? Your husband will wait for you. And the two of you will embrace one another. And that embrace will last 70,000 years. Allahu Akbar. Can you imagine? That is ultimate we are not told what is the age of people in Jahannam or the ages will, it will be close to one another or not. We are told, however, that in Jannah, you will be the most ideal age, which apparently is around 33. You understand? All. We will be at Rab of equal age. You understand? And we all will have, have similar looks, meaning uh, in beauty. It doesn't mean that there will be no variety. You understand? But it means that there will be uh, similar levels of, of beauty. 
You understand? And uh, Allah knows best. And everybody in Jannah will like one another. Everybody in Jannah will only have love for one another. In fact, there's a cute thing about the last people who will exit Jannah and go to Jannah. To me, it's very cute. That the people of Jannah will actually call them Jannamis. Which if I translate it into English, will come out as Yali. Yali. And there's a detailed description in the Hadith that when they exit Jannah, they will be burnt to a crust and shrunken. And on the way to Jannah, they will walk through a river known as the river of life. You understand? And as they go through the river, the bodies will just come up like that. And it will become the moist bodies that it's supposed to be. You understand? And then they will go to, to Jannah. And then the brothers and sisters will be waiting for them and embracing them. And the term Jannami will actually be a term of endearment, of love. You understand? Not, not a term where we sit one party apart from another. You understand? Like when a white man can, calls a black man by an ugly name such as nigger. You understand? Or a black man calls a white man by an ugly name such as whitey, of boor, of itsuzdai. You understand? With the intention to, to, to cause uh, emotional harm. You understand? Not, not anything like that. You understand? This will actually be a term of endearment. Like sometimes you've got a buddy and you've got like a You'll call him ura. But it's between the two of you only, man. You understand? Other people mustn't call him ura. If other people call him ura, you'll give them a big smack. You understand? But between the two of you, you do that. So it will be a similar thing. So this is in the side of Jannah. And what is on the side of Jannah? On the side of Jahannam, they will all hate one another. You understand? Everybody will be blaming everybody. As Jai, what was it here? Huh? Jai, what was it here? Jai, what was it here? Jai, what was it here? Jai, what was it Nothing wrong in swimming. But swim, where your aura is not exposed. You understand? Uh, so find, find a private house. There is a pool somewhere. You understand? And uh, so forth. Uh, I've said this before. December is, is the most dangerous time of the year. Extra money, 13th check. Free time. And uh, idle mind is the devil's playground. And number three, heat. In winter, even the prostitutes cover up. In summer, even the supposedly pious expose. You understand? It's a magical thing. That's the end of the year. You understand? End of the year, they celebrate uh, Jesus. But it's a time when the most zina is happening and it's a time when the most khamar will flow. It is unimaginable. Our celebration is Ramadan. Ramadan is the most pious time of the year. You understand? Another sign of where haq lies as opposed to where batil lies. But what's the big problem? The big problem is that the Muslims admire the life of the non-Muslims. You admire the life of the non-Muslim, then you probably desire to go where they're going, eh? You understand? The state for alas, they say. The original meaning was there's time to work and there's time to, to play and rest. And that's a good meaning, mashallah. But some people have taken the meaning there's a time to be pious and there's a time to sin. Oh, that's a wrong meaning. If there's a time to sin, there's a time to go to Jahannam also. No? You must remember that. And we said, while the last person that goes to Jahannam will get every heart's desire times 10. Minimum punishment in Jahannam, and the Prophet says this will apply to Abu Talib, will be that he will be given shoes of fire to wear that will show hot that his brains will boil. Who is Abu Talib? Abu Talib is the uncle that adopted the Prophet of Allah, the father of Ali. You understand? They lived together like, 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 like two brothers. And Abu Talib was the one that defended the Prophet all the time, but he never wanted to embrace Islam. 
on his deathbed, the Prophet came to him and told him, Uncle, this is, this is the final moment, Uncle. And then he said, I want to become Muslim. But if I do become Muslim, they will say that on my deathbed I grew weak. And I cannot allow that to be said. So what's the thing that barred him from Islam? Kibir. There's only one being whose opinion of you counts. And that being is Allah. You understand? Nobody else's opinion of you counts. Love your mother, love your father. Love your husband, love your wife. Love your brother, love your sister. Love your, 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 your son, love your daughter. But only one person's opinion counts. And that person, that person's name is Allah. You understand? Treat your wife well, because your Allah is watching. Treat your husband well, your Allah is watching. Treat your son, daughter well, your Allah is watching. Brother, sister well, your Allah is watching. That is the main consideration. You understand? If that is your law, you will always be treating them well. You understand? Sometimes Allah will put in their heart and they will give you a, re a reciprocal kindness. Sometimes Allah will not put in their heart and they will treat you unfairly. But you are the servant of Allah. And you understand what is the importance of Silat Rahim, of joining family ties. You don't do it for your brother, you don't do it for your sister. You do it for Allah. You understand? Because this is what Allah wants from me. Right? We all weak, we all make mistakes. But afterwards, think. You understand? And rectify whatever is the mistake that was. Uh, made. So thus, my dear brothers and sisters, this is what Jannah and Jahannam is all about. There's lots more details. But uh, coming back to the, to the entire crux, if you look at the conclusion now, coming back to the entire crux, what are you being told over and over again? You are being told that the dunya is a delusion. The dunya is an illusion. You understand? You mustn't fall in love with the dunya. The dunya is a thing. That must be used to your benefit. The true benefit of the dunya is that it is mazara'atul akhirah. It is the plantation of the year after. You understand? I spoke about money before. I said people like to save money. There was a time when that made sense, man. When money was gold and silver, you could save it. You understand? But now that we, you, you, we're working with these fiat currencies, you understand? Your money is losing power by the day. I'm, I, I'm certainly not the oldest one here. I'm not the youngest one here. But I can tell you over time, when if I had a hundred, as I had a rand in my hand, it was equivalent to ten dollars. I can speak of that. You understand? Where one rand was ten dollars. Can you imagine that? You understand? There was a time where twenty thousand rand was a lot of money. I remember when I was a child, I used to get pocket money twenty cents a month. Twenty cents a month. Can you imagine that? I would go to the shop with a, with a, with a, with a half a cent and buy a bag of sweets. Can you mean? I'm half a cent. Today, if I go to pick and bend, they give me a five cent. I feel they insulted me. I'm going to do me Can't take the five cent anyway. You're wasting my time. You're just making my pockets heavy. You understand? But back in the day, a half a cent, my bro. And buy a big of sweets when I was, when I was a child. And uh, Allah knows best. So it, it, it has no value, man. You understand? It's an illusion. This fiat currency is an illusion. Use it only. To improve your dunya and your akhirah lot. You understand? And use it to make more money. The same thing with the dunya. Don't fall in love with money. Don't fall in love with the dunya. Use the dunya. You understand? The dunya is a wasila, a means to a maqsat, an end. And what is that end? That end is the pleasure of Allah. You understand? If that is who you are, even if Allah makes you a billionaire, it will be to your advantage. It will be to your advantage. What did the Prophet of Allah say? 
How good halal money is in the hands of a pious person. You understand? Then it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. But if you're one of those people that dunya is in the heart, you love money, oh, then it's going to be bad when you become rich. You understand? In your case, it's better to be poor. You understand? It's better to be poor. Because at, at least the tawakkul on Allah will be greater, inshallah. And uh, the dunya is an amazing test, by the way. Eh? Some people, if Allah gives them a lot, they pass. Others fail. Some people, if Allah gives them a little, they pass. Others fail. It doesn't really matter what Allah gives you. You understand? Some people use it to pass, and some people use it to fail. I know of people, Allah gave them brains. Allah Akbar. Never mind I7, that's an I9. It's an I9 brain. But the I9 brain never discovered it's Allah. You understand? That I9 brain, it never realized there's a Jannah and a Jannah. It never f- uh, realized that the dunya is nothing. But there's another brain. There's not even a Pentium 1. It's like a 486 or a 386 or a 286. But that one figured out that there's an Allah. That one realized that there's Jannah and Jahannam. And that one is focused. Well, I wrote a, wrote, wrote a book. One of the best books I ever, I ever read in detail on Shiism and the like. He wrote it on a computer that was a, a 386 with a 486 upgrade chip. So it's actually a 386, but not on, on steroids. You understand? I know of people that sit with I7s, man. And they wrote nothing. They wrote nothing. You understand? The potential is massive. But the action was nothing. So this is why I say to people, when I go to the graveyard, the most striking thing to me is when I pass graves, is lost potential. People that could have been, but they weren't. They could have been the Abu Bakr and the Umars of the time, the Khadijas, the Fatimas, the Aishas of the time, but they weren't. You understand? In the year 2019, our potential, Allahu Akbar, compared to what the Sahaba said to us. You understand? Like, uh, despite all the problems Eskom gives us, we're still a lot better than many rural countries, eh? Who go by candlelight. You understand? People that don't have paper, but they memorize the whole Quran, either from mouth to mouth on wooden tablets. Wooden tablets. Allahu Akbar. Despite everything Eskom is doing to us, I like to call them the Prince of Darkness. You understand? We're still living a grand life, man. Grand life by the grace of Allah. We are living. You understand? So, uh, if we can just realize that this came from somewhere and it isn't for free. If you can just be thankful to what Allah has given you, you will be successful. Don't matter. You can be super rich, you can be super beautiful, you can be super this, you can be super that. But if you just know that Allah gave it to you. Allahu Akbar. I watched a documentary of a French rapper, a lady actually. She was one of the top rappers in France and she embraced Islam. So the interviewed her and she was wearing a, a hijab with a, with a salat top and all of that. And you could see that the interviewer, he had a thing against Islam. You could see it, the questions that he was asking. So one of it that they asked is, so you became Muslim, right? So there's nothing to say about that. But why did you change your dress? What was wrong with your dress yesterday? Why do you need to look like this now? And the description they normally have for, 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 for Muslim women is they call them tents. You understand? But anyway, why, why do you have to dress like this? And the answer she gave just blew me away. Just blew me away. You understand? You could see that this is a person of Iman. You understand? So first and foremost, he said, when I was at the top of the world, 
stop in my game. Most famous rapper in France, making money left, right, and center. You understand? Uh, uh, dealing with the most influential and powerful people uh, on earth, I was suicidal. Inside of me was emptiness. You understand? But what happened is, I found my Allah. And with that, my entire life had meaning. So in Allah, that has given me the stars, that has given me the sky, that has given me the ocean, that has given me life, that has given me this, and given me that, and all he wants is I must cover myself. So obviously I will do it. You understand? If they ask me that question, I would have given a different answer. You understand? That answer just blew me away. You understand? You could, you could see that this is the, is the answer of Iman. Iman that entered this woman's life. And she says, she was suicidal. She wanted to die. She didn't want to live anymore. Her life was empty. You understand? But now that she had embraced Islam, her life had meaning. You understand? This is what faith gives you. In a different class, I mentioned that in Germany, they had an experiment as to who were the happiest people on earth. And so there were numerous variables they looked at, like gender. Are men more happier? Are women more happier? You understand? Uh, maybe uh, nationality, maybe race, maybe this. So eventually they came down to religion. The followers of which religion are the happiest people on earth? Non-Muslims conducted the, uh, the research, right? What is the conclusion they reach? Muslims are the happiest people on earth. There's no people happier than Muslims. After Muslims who? Jews and Christians. And who's right at the bottom? Atheists. Atheists are the most unhappy people on earth. What did I understand from this? That if you want true Iman, you worship the right God, maximum happiness. If you want fake Iman, at least there's some Iman in the system as a bit of fake, but there's something. So now you enjoy some, some fake happiness. It's not the full happiness, but some something. But if you don't even have that, then you're at the bottom level that there is. And I've given examples of this. Uh, a few cases people bumped me. You understand? Once I was bumped by a truck. Another time a policeman bumped me. He was, he was drunk. Yeah, I knew I wasn't going to win either of these cases. Because the truck was, I was a big uh, businessman. You understand? And they got the experience of lawyers. As for the policeman, when the police came on the scene, the first thing they asked me is, we were here five minutes ago. Where were you? I said, I was here the whole time. To Vitekal, to Khadidim. You understand? To Vitekal. South African courts, I will not get satisfaction. You understand? So I did nothing. I just reported the case. You understand? Just in case somebody wants to say something about me. I reported it and I put uh, my words on paper. But I told myself, this is a Kiyama moment. You understand? And uh, I've said this before. If somebody murders my brother, SAPS don't catch the person. I get raped. They don't catch the person. You understand? No, any wrong is done to me. If I don't believe in Kiyama, what happens next? I realize that I live in a world where anything can be done to me. You understand? And the guilty, they get free. What does that do to your brain? It messes your brain up in its entirety. You understand? But what if I know that there's a just God? You understand? That will, number one, give full reward. You understand? And whoever is, is, is worthy of punishment, that person will be punished. What if I know that they will, a day will come when I will look my rapist in the eye? I will look my, my murderer or killer or my brother's murderer or killer in the eye. And I will have the right to ask them, why did you do this thing to me? And by the way, I just want to tell you this. The only reason a human does this to another human is stinginess. Stinginess. You rape a woman. 
How long will the act of rape be? 10 minutes, 15 minutes. How long will she suffer? 40 years. 45 years. Sometimes she has to murder the woman after that. Her life is snapped for a few minutes of pleasure. And it's not even full pleasure. You understand? So what is that? That is ultimate stinginess. Where your 10 minutes is more than 40 years of another human. So what is the promise of Allah in the Quran? Those who are protected against the miseriness of their souls, they will be the truly successful ones on the day of Qiyamah. You understand? So what do we need to be? Understand that you are the slave of Allah. And who is Allah? Allah is treasures without limit. All you have to do is what? Knock on heaven's door. Knock on Allah's door. That's all you must do. And then the treasures open up to you. But, Allah doesn't like people who just ask. But they're not sincere. I just want to explain to you an example. Uh, my family has experienced all types of conditions. Even the condition when I was very young, when we had no car. And that time we lived in the Grassy Park region. But uh, my grandfather and grand- grandmother lived in Sherwood Park. We eventually moved to Sherwood Park. But then we wanted to visit. So we used to walk from Grassy Park to Sherwood Park. So sometimes I would ask my daddy, Abi, why don't we just stand there and put out our finger? Some people, line people, some people give us a love most. You understand? And then my daddy said, no. We walk. And if you want to put out your finger while you walk, that's fine. But we walk. You understand? And if somebody wants to give us a love, they give. If not, we will get there. You understand? But don't just stand there and do nothing and put your finger out. You understand? So this idea, make dua, put your finger out and do nothing. That, that's the same idea. What is the true understanding of tawakkul? The true understanding of tawakkul is that you must do whatever is in your human capacity. Then you reach a point where it enters, human incapacity enters, where you realize that's all I can do. So when you've done that, then you turn to your Allah. And you say, oh Allah, I've done my side of the deal. Whatever was in my capacity, I've done. Now I cannot go further. I leave it in your hands now, Allah. You understand? That is true tawakkul. Tawakkul is not an excuse to be lazy. You know what is the most amazing thing I find? The lazy people on the dunya are always saying, Allah provides. The man that must be saying Allah provides is the rich guy who's working hard. Because then the conclusion will be, Allah provides well. When the poor guy who don't want to work says Allah provides, then it looks like Allah is providing bad. You're a bad advertisement for Allah's providing. You understand? Because it isn't true tawakul man. You understand? The one that is working hard and the treasures of Allah is pouring upon him, that is the one that says Allah provides. You understand? How did he do this? Alhamdulillah, Allah gave me tawfiq to invest my money in this. You understand? So that person is always passing the praise to Allah. And on that person will reign the benefit of the dunya and the benefit of the akhirah. You understand? So how do we knock on, 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 on an heaven's door? This is what the, 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 the course is all about. First, understand the reality of the dunya. You understand? Understand that it has a purpose. Understand that what awaits is Jannah and Jahannam. Understand that all your interactions every day is just with one being. And that being is Allah. And uh, I just want to inform you of this. Number one, you should be making dua every day. 
But if you are busy so much in dhikr and in assisting the creation of Allah that you don't have time for dua, Allah will give you more than Allah gives the person that makes dua. You understand? But this is on condition that the only reason you don't have time to do that is because you're busy in, in, in other good deeds. You understand? If not, you should be asking Allah every day. What is one of the most important qualities in asking Allah is your humility. At the end of the day, worship is khudu, is humility, and is Islam, putting yourself in the hands of Allah. And yeah, I have to say, tahajjud cannot be forgotten. Every last third of the night, the hadith says Allah descends to the lowest heaven, and Allah calls out, is there anyone that will ask me so that I can respond? Is there anyone that will seek my forgiveness so that I can forgive him? Is there anyone that wants anything so that I can give him? You understand? This is the special time. And what is it known? Ulama call it waktul ghafla. The time of unmindfulness. The time of heedlessness. Because that is the time when we sleep at our best. Our best. You understand? I know of people that are up throughout the night. And as far as it approaches, they start to get tired. Because I see that when I say time to you, say, just more. Slap, slap. You understand? Slap, at a wonder, you understand? And uh, Allah knows best. So knocking on Allah's door, there are strategies to it. I've mentioned some of it. And I just want to conclude on the statement. One of the best ways to knock on Allah's door is to knock on Allah's door for somebody else. Not for yourself. You understand? You want something in life. Find somebody else that also needs the same thing. And ask Allah, Oh Allah, give him that. Give her that. And every time you say that, Allah will appoint an angel. And the angel will say, Amin, and for you. And for you. One of the best du'as you can make is for another person. And then Allah will ensure that you will also get it. By the grace of Allah. We end there, inshallah. We're going to end with a short du'a. Is there anything you want to say, Sultana? Nothing? Okay. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil mursaleen, Sayyidina wa Nabiyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala ali wa sahbihi ajma'in. اللهم بك أصبحنا وبك أمسينا وبك نحيا وبك نموت اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعصيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم إنا نسألك رضاك والجنة ونعوذ بك من سختك والنار اللهم إنا نسألك الجنة وما قرب إليها من قول وعمل ونعوذ بك من النار وما قرب إليها من قول وعمل اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو إسمة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معادنا واجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر اللهم اغفر لأهل القبور من المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات ارفع لهم الدرجات وكفر عنهم السيئات يا رب العالمين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وأنثانا اللهم من أحيته منا فأحيه على الإسلام ومن توفيته منا فتوفوا على الإيمان برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل أواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير والعافية إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة 
وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ودخلنا الجنة مع الأمرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله ملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم سبحان ربنا رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين